everybody. Welcome back to episode 103 now of Searching for Political Identity, Going Strong. And today I have Brittany Cozen with me. Brittany, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Appreciate your time. So you're running for township supervisor of Warwick, Pennsylvania. Do I have that right? Yes. Why? And, you know, what is that? What is that job and why are you running? Uh, so pretty much our township, instead of having a mayor, basically, we have three township supervisors. So our, our that role is divided into three. Um, That's interesting. With it for the last, oh, 12 years plus, probably if not even longer, um, it's been three Republicans the running it. So everything just gets rubber stamped uh, through with a lot of the votes. And we are population here is not just straight Republican. It is very Republican heavy. Um, I will say that. Uh, but with doing a lot of my research when I ran last year for state representative for the area, I noticed there was a lot of underrepresented uh, people in the district and in the township specifically. Uh, there's a large pocket of independents and libertarians, Green Party, you name it, we ha probably have a handful represented. Um, and there is a decent amount of Democrats, which aren't getting a voice. Um, not saying that I'm 100% Democrat, but I do with it being libertarian, I do lean uh, Democrat on some topics and Republican on others and right. completely a different direction from both on another topic. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just be able to give that like devil's advocate type perspective on some of these votes that normally get rubber stamped and mm. just to give some of the other township uh, residents a, a feeling that they have representation on the, on the supervisor's board. That's pretty interesting. How common is that setup for a town over there? Is it unusual um, or is it pretty? Uh, it seems to be the way of way things are going now, um, having a board instead of a mayor and stuff like that. Some of the newer yeah. or progressive type townships are doing that just to make things easier to divide the workload and, and everything. That is very interesting, actually. So so you ran for state rep last year? Yes, 2022. And so you didn't win, right? Is that fair? I uh, no, I ended up getting actually sued off the ballot by the Republican candidate. Hmm. So you must have learned a lot during that experience. Yes. What what yes. what were your what were your top couple takeaways other than that there was a large um, pocket of people who are underrepresented? Yeah, a lot of it too is just how vicious this area is politically just they they are very cutthroat and you got to really ha grow some tough skin if you're going to get into politics in this area. Mm. Interesting. You got to have like a Trump like armor. <laughs> I don't even know if that's even. <laughs> yeah, we have some nasty school board races and very, very strong opinions on all sides. <laughs> mm -hmm. So your background is you were a volunteer. So your father was a firefighter for a long time mm -hmm. and you followed in his footsteps and did that for a while and then became a registered nurse. Do I have that right? Yes. I also, um, so yeah, I, I started 
in high school with becoming a volunteer firefighter. And then while still in high school in my senior year, I think it was senior year. I don't know. Everything runs together. <laughs> um, Who can remember their senior well, year? I also became <laughs> an, yeah, I became an EMT, um, emergency medical technician. So that's my little footstep into the emergency medicine field. Um, I did that through college, after college. Um, same with the volunteer firefighting. I did that if you probably actively um, up until like 10 years ago. Um off and on um since then um just because of having had kids and stuff kind of puts a little damper on that um you you, you only have so much of yourself to give only have so much of yourself to give and and when you have people depending on you at home it you're you're second you take that extra second to think do i really want to run into this burning building and risk mm. not coming home to them kind of priorities and perspectives change a little mm. um so that, yeah that really helps that, that should that should help us kind of appreciate the people who are first responders who do have family mm -hmm. that's pretty powerful yeah it's one yeah, thing to not have definitely. kids i guess and a loved one but those who do and most of them do i assume yeah yeah there's a lot that a lot of the members have families and everything um so but, you're one of those people who who was always just you. I say one of those. You're an EMT. You're you're a public. Uh, you know you you. It was in your blood to serve the public. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. I I definitely help want to help everybody. I'm an ER nurse now, so it still it, it continues that I'm still helping people when they need it the most and serving the public in some some capacity. Mm. So I should ask you about COVID. I see on your on your logo here, our mission, I'm reading your logo representing your face because we're not doing video. It says, our mission is your health. Stop COVID-19. Stay home. Mm. So that, it, that is an old picture. That's... Right, right. Well, you know, I was I was expecting it to say, like, stop the government tyranny, but it says stop COVID. So have you evolved on this issue? Where were you? Where are you on COVID as a, so this, as a nurse? The, yeah, the photo is back from 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which one was received until I logged in today. Right. And I just um, outed you as a liberal. So go for it. Now defend yourself. <laughs> um, no, I, I you did. get a pass I, no matter what, because you're because you're a nurse. It's, seriously. Yeah. Um, no, in the beginning, I did. I believe the whole two weeks of flatten the curve, do the mass, all that. I'm like, what? what's the worst that's going to happen? Follow it. See what see where this goes. Two weeks turn to four weeks turn to four months and I was over it. Um, sure. I, the, probably the happiest day at work was when we were allowed to take off our masks, which only happened a month or two ago. So, 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 very so was it, so, but it was a real virus and it was a real, it, and it was a real strain, I assume. Right. On the, yeah, on the it, it definitely was. It, it, people were getting sick and, and they were getting very sick. I won't, I won't deny that it wasn't real. But the way it was being handled politically was making a lot of headaches and drama and problems. I, I think it wasn't it was just the political theater of it was making it worse than I, I would say it is. Um, but I'm not denying that those that died from it didn't didn't have any suffering it was like it was it was bad when i saw people that were really sick they were 
really mm. sick. And mo were most of those folks overweight with other pre-existing conditions probably? Um, I would say they say. definitely had some level of pre-existing condition. Um, I saw all walks of life being sick. Um, weight really didn't play a factor in, in, in who was affected, hmm. but, um, I, I would say that I did see those that were sick and very sick were on the older end of the spectrum, uh, just because their bodies just cannot recuperate and hmm. handle because they already have mild organ issues and right. failures existing. Right. Yeah. So what, what do you and your fellow nurses think about the vaccine generally? Uh, you know, um, work? was it, was it worth it? I got, I got vaccinated and still got sick. Same as I've gotten the flu vaccine and still gotten the flu. Did you feel ill? Um, like when you got it, I definitely did have side effects. Um, I mean, I meant from the um from the virus after getting it from the boat. Yeah. From mm -hmm. from the vaccine, I had side effects. And from when I got um, I had covid three different times. Um, Each time got better. I would say the first time I would compare it to maybe the flu and I've had the flu and I was vaccinated for the flu. So I would say that it was pretty comparable to a flu level type feeling mm -hmm. um i was pr probably better within like a week or so and on the mend um but like my husband and i we were vaccinated and our children aren't against it and we got sick and they didn't right kind so. of a, kind of a weird thing people would say oh i went to bed with my husband and he never got it you know I, I I had that a second time. I had that when I got it the second time. I had a sore throat. Just felt like a like a post nasal drip sore throat. Just think, eh, whatever. I'm like just for for giggles. Let me take a COVID test. It was more positive than I've seen before. I'm like, hmm. And I said, I'm just gonna ride this out. And my husband never got sick. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, thank gosh we're we're on the other side of it now. My thoughts on the whole thing was, yeah, 15 days to slow the spread sounded like bullshit from day one. Now, whether or not it was, you know, altruistic, okay, yet to be seen at the time. But, you know, I was scared for my grandma. It was terrifying, man. I, you know, she made it out all right. But I did get vaccinated because I had to in order to go to a family wedding. And I wanted to go. I wanted to see everybody. So, you know, that's why I got vaccinated. I, I got boosted as well um, because everyone was saying to do it and it seemed like the right thing to do. Who the hell knew? Right. Um, in hindsight, I don't know. It doesn't. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> I I got the two initial doses and that was it. Mm -hmm. I didn't go anymore because I'm like, I'm not going through the migraines and the fever and chills. And yeah all of that for a vaccine. Yeah. I never, I never felt particularly ill from COVID. I, I had to get tested once because a coworker had it and I was positive, but I hardly knew it. And so I, I made, you know, I got lucky, but very bizarre time. And I don't think we're done as a nation <laughs> reconciling with what we did and how we did it. Yeah. No, I, no. I, that's, it's definitely going to haunt us for many, many years, mm. but Crazy. A big, a big thing that 
I really was not thrilled about with it was the mandates. And sure. that's where As I a fall libertarian. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I fall in with the libertarian ideas and, and everything of, I believe everyone's smart enough to know their own body and their own and make and their, they own own their own decisions. body. Right. Yeah. You, you, no you know yourself you best. Something. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you, but, and you're in charge no yeah. matter what. Yeah. You, you, you deal with your own actions on your own body. And if you want to get a vaccine, fine. If you don't, then no one should be able to force you. And, and if you want to make a decision, any medical decision, it should be between you and your doctor because your doctor knows the medical, all the all the ins and outs of what this and that and everything should do or shouldn't do or how you should treat this or that to give suggestions. But you still make the decision. But the government should not be involved in you and your doctor's decisions that you make together educatedly with an educated decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds good to me leads into abortion. What do you, as a woman, how do you feel about abortion? And I'm really curious, you know, as a libertarian, um, going back to the States, the, you know, the ruling, the Supreme court saying, Hey, it's, you no longer have a federal right to abortion. Now the States can decide how, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I'm not, I'm going with it that I personally, I personally am pro-life person uh, mm -hmm. on my level, but I wouldn't force that on anybody else. If they want to have it and make that decision that they're in their, them and their doctor have come to that decision that, you know what, it's not best to carry on the pregnancy or whatever and want to terminate it by all means you do you boo boo. Like that's. Mm. You, you can make your decision, but at the same time, let me make my decision. So it's that whole, you're I guess smart enough pro, to make your, that's a pro choice. It's almost a pro choice, pro life stance. I guess that that's typically libertarian and, and, and reasonable. You wouldn't yeah, do it, it, but, but maybe you're, maybe you're pro, maybe you're pro choice than society level. I, 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 it's, I, as I said, it's, it's a weird because thing. no one would it's want, like, I mean, you don't want to ever be advocating for abortion. I mean, no, right? as I said, it's like, I personally cannot straight out go and say, go get an abortion. It's the best thing to do. Like, because I personally don't believe that, mm -hmm. but right. at the same time, for those that do believe it by all means. And I think that's where the libertarian side of me is, is that I, I'm not going to push my beliefs on you as long as you don't push yours on me. Like if we can come to that agreement, we can be friends, we can go and we can go and have coffee. I, I really don't care. But mm -hmm. it, it, just as long as you respect my decisions, I'll respect yours. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just common decency. Yeah. Right. So mental health. Um, why is this an important issue to you? What can you tell me about? It seems to be such an important issue. Why is it important to you? What, what do you know about mental health? What can you educate me on? So a big I, 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 mental health, I'll put is, is my, is my baby. Um, and it's funny because in nursing school, it was probably my least favorite subject. It was psych psychiatric nursing. So how did that and flip happen? <laughs> and now it's like something I advocate so much for. And I think it's once I got into it, um, 
in my ER, we have a emergency behavioral health unit, which is kind of just that like transitional area. Someone comes in for mental health treatment and just needs that assistance getting placement somewhere and just to have that safe environment. Now, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing environment, but it's safe and we value safety over aesthetics. Mm -hmm. And so I see people everywhere from eight years old up to 80 years old come through that department. And it's every mental health disorder you could think of between autism and ADHD and depression to suicidal thoughts to bipolar, schizophrenia, like you name it, I've seen it. And some of these people are waiting weeks in our ERs because there's no beds anywhere that mm. will take them because so they're just staying they overnight happen, in the waiting room they are well no they're in our in our behavioral health unit in I, see, a I see right plain, in a safe place right i would say that it is comparable to a jail cell like mm -hmm. aesthetically and right. it's not that doesn't help them any mm -hmm. um with their 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 mental status and stuff right I would imagine, but right? It, with these people, they're they're not getting the active treatment they need of the the different therapies because we can't provide that till they get to these facilities. But some of these people are coming in off the streets, having turned to street drugs for treatment because they either can't afford their mental health medications, don't like how their mental health medications make them feel. It, it they just can't get into a doctor to continue prescribing them. It, there's a whole bunch of right. issues and it's just, mm. we need to revamp this system because these people are getting labeled as needing a dual diagnosis bed because they have an addiction problem in addition to their psychiatric problem. And that's not helping them because they're just sitting in limbo in these, in these ERs. What does a dual waiting. diagnosis bed mean? Um, it means that they have an addiction problem, meaning alcohol or drugs, in addition to a mental health problem. And so that that really changes the way they get treated. It, it, it the facilities need to they they look at it that they have to handle the medical side of the withdrawal of these patients and detox, as well as their psychiatric side of adjusting their medications, getting them therapies, getting them resources and coping mechanisms so that they don't turn to the drugs. Right. I coming from the libertarian side, I feel that we should like decriminalize a lot of the medic of the drugs because when they are microdosed and properly used, they actually are better at treating some of these mental health disorders than the drug, the medications that we give people legally. Right. Yeah. No, and, that seems to be an emerging line of thought. It's pretty amazing. And yeah. And a lot of these pharmaceuticals are derived from these, these street drugs. So yeah. it's like, obviously they saw something good in them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a whole can of worms. Yeah. So what 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 would you like to see more 
should we build mental health facilities and fund them and and kind of house people and kind I, of go I that really direction? Would, I would really like to see more in the community resources and meeting the people where their needs are and not just locking them away. Because mm. when you lock people away, that's where you get the people that become institutionalized. They, they don't know anything different than their routines in the institutions. And now I'm not saying there, there are some people that their mental health is just so, so gone that they do need an inpatient facility, but majority of the people should be able to be stabilized and then continue treatment in an outpatient and community-based level where they're in their comfort environment and are just in a in a position where they're less stressed that's an optimal optimal place yeah yeah that's a really interesting um perspective yeah yeah because i it would it's the same as with with medical care in general someone's going to recover and do better in their own home where they're comfortable and feel safe than in the sterile feeling environment of a hospital. Yep. Makes sense. No, I like that. I like how you you kind of elucidated for me the fact that it's a little severe to say, all right, let's just, and it's an, an inefficient to just, go the route of building institutions and putting people there. It's just, I, I really like how you expanded my thinking there and said, no, meet people where they are more handcrafted local. That's, that's good. I think that sounds yeah. good. So, so that's what you would do for mental health, more community-based impact programs that would help people stay. It just helps stabilize people. Yeah. And, and, and with that, it would also remove the stigma of mental health and stuff. Cause a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they feel like being, having a mental health disorder or condition is like taboo and it, it, they're tainted and Mm -hmm. imperfect. And it's like, no, you're just you, you're, Mm -hmm. you're no, there's no one form that everyone needs to fit into. And it's okay. Like it's, I would compare a mental health disorder to same as having high cholesterol, high blood pressure. It's something that's going on in your body that, that is making it not function optimally and needs some level of treatment, Hmm. be it a medication, just like a heart disease condition or therapy, same as going to physical therapy because your legs don't work right. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's great. That's really kind. So we talked about uh, medical stuff. Um, what else is important to you? Let me look at my note. Defend the guard legislation. I looked it up briefly. Um, is that to, is that a law that would prevent the president from sending the national guard overseas without a declaration of war? Yeah. So what it is, is what happens is our national guard units get deployed more frequently than our own like 
regular military, Army, Marines, Navy, etc. And they get deployed to these conflicts and operations and all these other things that aren't a direct war. And that's not what they're for. And I go and and when I explain to people, I'm like, I'm like, just just riddle me this. We have an army, we have a marine unit, we have navy, we have air force, we have space force. We also have a coast guard and a national guard. Coast guard guards our coast. I'm with you so they far. They don't leave our coastline. Right. right. National guard guards our nation meaning they would guard the land. So why are you sending them away from our land to leave us unprotected? Hmm. It just hmm. being that the two guard level things are the only two that should really stay in the U.S. Yeah, I, um, wonder, I wonder why that is. I guess they don't really feel that they have as much value. Oh, I, 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 a lot of home. it, I, I don't, I don't understand. And I don't, I'm not even, I don't even want to try to understand <laughs> their logic because it's probably some convoluted roundabout way that they justify it. Um, But a lot of it falls back to, it, it's just why, why send them here when we have these guys just send them because they'll send our other military for other stuff and and peace missions and so is your is your is your concern coming from hey it just doesn't seem right or is it all is a mixture of it doesn't seem right and hey man we're we're not we're defenseless here it's a little bit of it doesn't seem right. We're defenseless, and this is not directly what these guys signed up for. Mm. Um, and some of it comes back to um, I use Louisiana's National Guard for example. Um, they were deployed to the Middle East. I can't remember exactly where, um, but they had a lot of units deployed overseas when Katrina hit. And part of the National Guard is, is they get activated when there's natural disasters. Right. Um, to on the emergency services and FEMA stuff, uh, help with FEMA and everything when there's catastrophic events like a major hurricane. And they weren't there to help everyone with all of the events with Katrina. Not a good look. No. And that's, I would say that, not saying that them being there would help much, because again, it's a catastrophic event. But in the after events of it, I think it would help with keeping some order and giving a relief to the emergency services, giving that aid and assistance and manpower to the search and rescue teams, the fire teams, everyone that's being deployed for all of these emergency events, the EMS and everything to help supplement their numbers. 
Right. No, it makes sense. So I, I guess it makes sense also that you're interested in that. It's an extension of your first responder nature. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys are like, I don't want to say the ultimate first responders. It's probably not an accurate way to phrase it, but they are uh, first responders. When you boil it down, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely an extension of, of first responders. Hmm. So why are you a low taxes person, you know, generally, what do you want to tell me about your tax policy? Um, and what about underprivileged people? How do you, do you want to pitch your, your, yourself in that regard economically? Tell me a little bit about that. So a lot, like I, I feel like taxes are not the greatest thing in general, but I understand like we've gotten ourselves so much into a situation where we feel like we can't survive without them, even though most likely we can, because it, it falls down to we weren't thrilled about taxes that were being levied against us when we were a fledgling country colony level. So we just kind of. But they were racist. So who cares? Yeah. So, yeah, it's like they, they were just picking on us. It's fine. We We can. Yeah. So I just, I, it, you, I can't get rid of, I would love to get rid of them completely. That that's the, the pipe dream ultimate goal that that's the, the shooting for the moon mm -hmm. type thing. So that's the hardcore libertarian in you. <laughs> that's the, that's a so what do you say to people who I are like, like my in money. my family, what do you say to people who are like, but what about like poor people and the underprivileged and economically speaking, like, what do we do for that kind of situation? And with that, it's like, that's what I said. It's like, we've gotten ourselves so much into a situation where we've become dependent on, on everything. And with that, I would, it's, it's that really double-edged sword side of it. Like I said, we've gotten ourselves so reliant on them that we need them and it's not fair, but if we can adjust things to, like at least in my township I've seen, they haven't raised the millage, the percentage, but they've gone and reappraised people's homes, meaning the value of their home has theoretically gone up so that their taxes have still gone up. It's so it's like we didn't raise the percentage, but we raised what we're taking the percentage of. Sure. So your number still goes up and they've, actively raised business taxes and that's just the taxes on our businesses in our township and with that it the the businesses can't eat that difference they can't absorb that into their their cost so it gets passed on to the customers and thus with that the cost of their goods and services goes up which means we're paying more and our Everything with everything going up and our incomes are minimally changing, like a, a three dollar or five dollar yeah, an hour a, a cost of living expense increase and a two percent raise is is drops in a bucket. It's not it's not gonna fix anything. But if we just it our whole system really would just need a whole restart and 
it's it's tough. Get away from it, this uh, democratic. So you would say, hey, look, Democrats have nice, uh, compassionate feelings, but they're ultimately they just they got it backwards on economics, and and their and their push for like a moral argument is misguided. That's it, what it, the libertarians it, 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 definitely and Republicans say. I think. Yeah, and and a lot of it is 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 this whole welfare system is people have become so reliant on it and they make it okay. Not saying like I've I have definitely partaked in and needed assistance at times because of just bet- different reasons and I would say that it yeah, it's a great asset but it's something that you should not be living off of and making it your end all be all. Mm-hmm. It's a stepping stone. It's something that you use in a time of need until you like can get yourself to a better place. It's like a drug. And it and yeah, it, and people have become addicted to it. And I I'm it's it's sad because it's pushed families to and and promoted the single parent household over the dual parent household because i won't even say single mother because there's the single dads and the dads that say that it's cheaper to not marry the mom so that she can get wick and food stamps and cash assistance and insurance and everything else Hmm. and all i have to do is pay a couple hundred dollars a month in child support legally Hmm. That's interesting. And and then even add to it, they get Section 8 housing and and LIHEAP and all these other services, the, the free cell phones that they don't have to pay for anything. They get their phone, they get their internet, they get their um, hmm. electric, they get their food, they get housing, and everything. it's just a fascinating thought to think that the benefit, uh, the burden... Um, the word I'm looking for, the detriments to that system outweigh the benefits, you know, because it sounds great. Yeah, because you have it, these these kids, the 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 you places want people that to have the internet, you want people to have phone. I mean, you do want you do want people to have, you know, things, but go on. Yeah, it's like, but it's like it is at what cost are these worth it? Because these children are being raised without two parents and having that that man uh, i won't even say male and female i'll have that two you're parental so uh, unit. politically correct bless you yeah <laughs> that two dynamic in um the two non-binary raising. no i don't know yeah to have that just to have that two perspectives that's what it is to have the good cop bad cop perspectives um because you always have you, you always have that one parent that tells you always yes and you have the other parent that's always says no so you and in you attention, have that, you might learn something. Yeah, exactly. You eventually will learn which one to go to and which one to ask for what. But mm-hmm. to have those different perspectives of raising and and raising these children, and and just having it that also a lot of these housings are not in the greatest of areas. So these children are afraid to go outside. They're not getting the outside exercise. Sure, they're getting food stamps, but right. the cost of it's they said it's it's a it's 
a dollar yeah it's it's not it's not right the phones it's just not maybe a healthy the healthiest most optimal mix and yeah and they're they're just they're stuck inside they're they're not going outside because they don't feel safe their diets it's cheaper to get the junk food and everything um is a dollar to get a a two liter of soda where it's three dollars for a thing of apple juice like it it the the it's a little backwards it's it's all backwards and to get the fresh vegetables and stuff is expensive and it's cheaper to get the processed frozen canned yeah they're okay but it's not the same as getting that bag of fresh green beans over in the produce section you lose some of those vitamins Mm. and that's where i come in with the nursing side again with Mm. the general health and well-being of with your diet makes a big difference yeah that's a great that's a great feather to put on this conversation thank you so much Brittany. really i i learned quite a bit and it was a pleasure talking to you of course um, I'm going to ask my audience to go to votebrittanycozen.com. It's V-O-T-E-B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-K-O-S-I-N.com. Of course, I'll include a link. Um, we're, we're about to run out of time. You want to give me ten, uh, one sentence on transgenderism? No, we don't have enough time. But it, that, that is an area that I would have liked to cover with you, given your background. But thank you, Brittany. Um, this has been a really kind of a complete conversation with a health-based, local-based concepts and um, i think it's great and i hope people support you because it all sounds very reasonable so thank you so much for your time more than welcome to come back if you ever wanted me to go i think i would so for sure (laughs) let's let's set it up soon thank you so much sounds good yep take care